Today is Super Bowl Sunday. In case you haven't noticed, I'm dressed for the occasion. I was in Atlanta for 18 years, so there was nothing going to stop me from wearing a Falcons jersey today. I feel a special anointing in this house. <laughs> kind of covered in that anointing today. My son, I saw my son on Friday and he said, Dad, think about this. He said, I don't know if there's anything significant about this. Of course, in our family, we're always looking for something spiritually significant in things. He said, but your first year here as pastor in Atlanta, the Falcons went to the Super Bowl and now your last year here. They're going to the Super Bowl. So they were winners when you came and they were winners when you left. And I said, I received that in Jesus' name. But I want to talk to you this morning about getting in the game. This jersey is more than just representing the team that I'm pulling for today. I'm hoping to make a statement to encourage all of us here in this room today that are not already in the game to get in the game of serving in the kingdom of God. Today there will be millions upon millions of people watching the Super Bowl. Now here's what's odd about that. You got millions and millions of spectators and 22 guys on the field. Now if we're not careful, we see that happening as well in the church, in the kingdom. You got hundreds thousands and when you look at the kingdom of God worldwide millions of spectators but if we're not careful we have very few people on the field actually in the game so I want to encourage you here this morning all of us here this morning it's time to get in the game amen it's time to get in the game and the scripture that we're going to look at together today, we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 4. And this passage of scripture is loaded with preaching and teaching material. I'm not going to be able to break down this entire passage of scripture today. It's actually the longest sentence in the Bible. This whole passage of scripture that we're going to look at today is one sentence one entire sentence and one thought and theme but let's look at it together and I'm gonna make a few comments along the way and then I'm gonna give us four things this morning that are on our job descriptions as ministers in the kingdom of God Ephesians chapter 4 beginning at verse 11 the Apostle Paul said, and he himself, referring here to Jesus, that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, if we're not careful, a lot of times we tend to, to group this office ministry gifts we we tend to group these gifts with the gifts of the Holy Spirit but these are not the gifts of the Holy Spirit 
I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We all here this morning believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are three different categories in, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are the manifestation gifts, there are the motivational gifts, and there are the ministry gifts. But these gifts that are mentioned to us here in Ephesians 4 are not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are the gifts of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came, he brought with him gifts. When Jesus left, he gave gifts. And so these are gifts that are given to the body of Christ by Jesus himself. And it says that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now notice how many times he mentions the word some. And why is that such an important word? Well, it's important because you don't really need a lot of apostles. You don't really need a lot of prophets or evangelists or pastors and teachers, but we do need some. But what we do need a lot of is what he talks about in the next passage of Scripture, verse 12. He said that those gifts were given by Jesus for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I know that we've always looked at this and we've taught it as the five-fold ministry gifts. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But I submit to you this morning that it's not just five-fold ministry gifts. It is six-fold ministry gifts. And you cannot do ministry without number six. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, saints. What would we do without the saints of God in the body of Christ? And notice when he told us about the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, he said that every one of them have the same ministry. Now, you may have never heard that taught before, but that's what it says. It says that he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Now, why do I say that? Because we've got people running around claiming to be prophets and prophesying, but they're not equipping saints. Somebody help me preach this morning. We've got evangelists traveling all over the world winning souls into the kingdom of God. But my question is, are they training and equipping saints to be evangelists? I mean, let's ask ourselves this question. Would we have a bigger impact by bringing in a high-powered evangelist and getting 300 people saved? Or would we have a greater impact by bringing in an evangelist and he trains 300 other evangelists on how to reach 300 others on how to reach 300 others, on how to reach 300 others. You see, he's given all of us the same ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to equip the saints. And as saints, we need to be equipped. Now, just in case there's some confusion, as your pastor, it is not my responsibility, nor do I do ministry because I'm a pastor. That surprises people sometimes. It's not just my responsibility to do the work of the ministry as a pastor. And I don't do the work of the ministry as a pastor. I do the work of the ministry as a saint. 
as a saint. And notice what he said. He said that he gives these gifts to the body for the equipping of the saints. And then notice what he says, for the work of ministry. And I'm going to come back and talk about that because that's really the phrase that I want to focus on this morning. For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that when saints get equipped and begin to do the work of the ministry, guess what's going to happen? The body is going to grow. The body is going to flourish. The body is going to thrive. Then in verse 13, and this is all one sentence, he said, Till we all come to the unity of the faith. That's what we're after is unity in what we believe, unity in what God has called us to do. Till we all come together in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, we want a knowledge of who Jesus is. To a perfect man, and this is really where it all culminates, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, until we are all conformed into the image of Christ. And then he goes on in verse 14, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And the only way to keep that from happening in your life is to be equipped. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head. So we are growing up into him, Christ, who is the head from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Everybody breathe. That's a long sentence, isn't it? But it tells us so much about getting in the game. God has given every one of us as saints, God has given us a job description. And let me just share four things that are on that job description that God has given to us as saints. Number one, we are to be a servant we are to be a servant now I know that not everybody sets out and aspires to be a servant you know when you ask a kid what are you gonna be when you grow up one day you don't hardly ever hear them say well I want to grow up to be a servant when folks go to college they don't say well I want to go and get my degree in servanthood folks just don't aspire to be servants but notice what he said in this passage of Scripture. He said that he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. I hate to burst your bubble this morning, but ministry is work. It's work. Children's ministry is work. Youth ministry is work. I should be at least getting some amens from my staff. Music ministry is work. Outreach ministry is work. And I, I think sometimes when folks sign up to get involved in ministry, they don't see it as work. But it's work. It's hard work. Notice in the New American Standard Bible, it says it like this, that he gave us those gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. The message paraphrase says it like this, that he handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train Christians in skilled servant work. 
Ministry is work, and it takes servants that will sign up to help do the work of ministry. Now, I know one thing about work. Work can weary you sometimes. Jamie and I, when we were pastoring our first church, and some of you may not know this, but our first ministry assignment was Leeds Church of God, Leeds, Alabama. Lifeway Church is what it became. And after we had been there for a while, the Lord began to bless and we began to grow. Our first Sunday, we had 18 people in attendance. But, but the Lord began to bless and we began to grow. And even though we were only 1985, we were only bumping 100 people. That seemed like a multitude compared to what we had when we started. And so I was getting a little bit frustrated and I called my mentor, a pastor that I had interned under Dr. Raymond Culpepper. Some of you may know Dr. Raymond Culpepper who was at Metropolitan Church of God and I called him and I said, Pastor, Jamie and I need to have breakfast or lunch with you. We, we need to work through some frustrations that, that we're having here about how, how we can do everything that is on our plate to try and get done. And so we went and we sat down with him. By this time, his church was running five, six, seven hundred people. And I had my perception, and so we met him at Denny's in Irondale. We sat down across the table from Pastor Culpepper, and I looked at him out of my frustration. I looked at him, and I said, Pastor Culpepper, I just want to get one day to where you are, to where all I have to do is preach. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I knew when I said it and I saw the expression on his face that I had said the wrong thing. He looked back at me and he said, Victor Massey, do you really think that's all I do is preach? Of course, by now my perception had changed. In just that little bit of time, my perception changed. But I discovered very quickly that ministry is work. And it takes more than just one or two to do the work of the ministry. Notice in Romans chapter 1 verse 1, Paul tells us that there is a greater calling than the call of an apostle. Here's what he said when he began Romans chapter 1 verse 1. He said that I'm Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Notice that before he was an apostle, he was a servant. And I believe that it was because he was a servant, God was able to call him to be an apostle. We find him writing in Philippians 1 and 1. And at the beginning of that book, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. James 1 and 1. James begins his book by saying, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 begins his book saying, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude in Jude 1 begins his book saying, Jude, a servant of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Before these men were apostles, before they were prophets, before they were evangelists, before they were pastors and teachers, they were faithful servants in the kingdom of God. Servants. That's what the church needs. Not more apostles, not more prophets, not just more evangelists, pastors, and teachers, more servants to do the work of the ministry. I love some of the stories that Jesus shares with us about 
his experience with his disciples. And one of them in particular was they were in Galilee and they were about to leave Galilee and go to Capernaum. And as they were leaving Galilee to go to Capernaum, Jesus began to talk to them about his death, that he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to be crucified, and that he was going to rise again. But it's like the disciples didn't even hear what Jesus was talking about. And on the way to Capernaum, they began to talk amongst themselves about who was the greatest in the kingdom of God. And they're back there whispering, thinking that Jesus can't hear what they're saying. And even if he couldn't hear what they were saying, he still knew what they were saying. Because listen to what happened in Mark chapter 9. It says, then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? What were you guys conversing about? What were you talking about? They kept silent. I would have kept silent too. I would have been a little bit embarrassed to admit what it was that we were talking about on the road. But they kept silent. For on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest in his kingdom. That is, in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus looked at him. He sat down. And he called the twelve and he said to them, if anyone desires to be first. Now notice, he didn't, he didn't say there was anything wrong with desiring to be first. It's okay to have ambition. It's okay to want to be great in the kingdom of God. It's okay to desire to be first. But Jesus said, I just want to show you what first looks like in the kingdom of God. So that if you're desiring to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. That's servanthood in the kingdom of God. That's greatness in the kingdom of God. You see, in the world, we define success by how many people serve us. But in the kingdom of God, we define success by how many people God allows us to serve. Amen? And, and how many of you know, and how many of you know this morning that we have to be careful the kind of requests that we make from God? Because later in Matthew chapter 20, James and John send their mother to Jesus with this request. Lord, I want you to let one of my sons sit at your right hand. And I want you to let the other of my sons sit at your left hand in your kingdom. And Jesus looked at this mother. Because we all want great things for our kids, don't we? But Jesus looked at this mother and said, woman, you don't even know what you ask. Because when you go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 33, here's what Jesus says. He says that when the Son of Man comes in all of his glory with his angels, like a shepherd, he's going to separate people. And he's going to put sheep at his right hand and goats on his left hand. And the sheep will inherit the kingdom, and the goats will be cast into eternal fire where Satan, where the devil and his angels are. Now, what if Jesus would have granted the request of that woman when she said, I want one on my right and one on my left? Jesus could have looked at her and said, listen, on my right will be sheep, but on my left will be goats who will be destroyed. 
See, we don't know what we ask, but not only that, Jesus was also letting her know that you don't know what kind of cup of suffering comes with serving in the kingdom of God. But listen to me this morning, Summit and Church of God. God is doing incredible things in this place. And God has given us a vision to transform this community. And a few of us are not going to be able to make it happen. We have all got to be willing to submit ourselves as servants of the living God in order that we can be used to help transform our community for his glory. Amen. Amen. Be a servant. Secondly, be faithful. It's on our job description. Be faithful. I didn't say perfect because none of us are perfect. Proverbs describes a faithful man like this. He may fall down seven times, but he gets up again. So it's not perfect people that God is looking for, but God is looking for faithful people. That's why we need to be equipped because he said that when we are equipped, that we will not be tossed about with every wind of doctrine that comes along. Listen, listen to what the apostle Paul said to the young pastor Timothy about raising up leaders in the early church. He said, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men or women who will be able to teach others also. Now, I want you to get what the Apostle Paul is saying here because a lot of times when you approach people to be servants, when you approach people to get involved in ministry, the first thing they say is, well, I don't have the ability. I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. Well, God's not looking for ability. God's not looking for gifts. God's not looking for talent. God is looking for faithful people. And notice what Paul said. He said that if you will commit or if you will deposit these things into faithful people, notice what he says, I will make them able. Because you see, God has all ability. God has all power. All that we've got to do is just be faithful. Amen? And when we are faithful, God says, I will make you able. It's, it's that simple. That he will give us the anointing. He will give us the power that we need, the ability that we need to fulfill the task that he's given to us. Just be faithful. Be a servant. Here's a third thing that's on our job description. Be available. That's all. Just be available. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has an encounter with God in the presence of God. And what God needs is God needs a messenger who will go and speak to his people. But the message that he wants the messenger to speak is not a pleasant one because what this person is going to have to do is they're going to have to go and speak to a group of people who think that they have the favor of God, the blessings of God, but now they're going to have to go and announce that God is about to destroy you because of your disobedience. And God spoke to Isaiah and he said, I can't find anybody who will go. But Isaiah responds in Isaiah 6 and 8. He said, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to my people who will go for us? And I said, Lord, 
I'll go. Send me. All he did was make himself available. All Abraham did was make himself available. All Moses did was make himself available. All David did was make himself available. All Elijah did was make himself available. All Elisha did was make himself available. All Gideon did was make himself available. Really, all Jesus did was make himself available. All the apostle Paul did was to make himself available. Because all God needs is an available vessel. And let me grab this. Some of you are wondering what I walked in here today with a water hose for. Listen, all God needs is a conduit. All God needs is for somebody to make themselves available. This world is thirsty. This world is in a famine. This world needs to hear the word of God and experience the power of God in their lives. But let me, let me tell you, this, this water hose is really no use unless it's connected to the source. But, but once you connect this water hose to the source, then water is able to flow from the source to where the water needs to go. You see, it's not about the hose. It's about the water running through the hose to get from the source to where the water needs to go. I guess you could say that each and every one of us here this morning, we're like a, a water hose. And we are connected to the source of life. We are connected to the source of water. But it's not about us. All we are doing is making ourselves available and saying, Holy Spirit, flow through me. God, I will make myself available as a vessel. God, I will be the conduit through which you can flow to help transform this community. Just be available, Summerton Church of God. We just got to be available. Available. And you know what? This hose cost me five bucks. You can go spend 50 bucks on a hose, but it's going to serve the same purpose. So you don't, got, you don't have to be super duper special to be used in the kingdom of God. You just got to make yourself available. Amen? Just available. It's that simple. And then one final thing. Be connected. If you're not connected, get connected. Because listen to what the last part of this sentence says. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint, everybody say joint. Not talking about the kind you smoke. <laughs> joint. By what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, notice this, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now notice what Paul tells us there. He tells us two things that causes growth in the body of Christ. And the first thing that he says that causes growth in the body of Christ is when every joint or when every part has been connected 
to form a joint. Notice it does not say by what every part supplies. Because you have many different parts in the body of Christ. But if everybody is doing their own thing, it's still not going to bring about the kind of growth that God wants to see in his kingdom. But it's when every part, now think about this, when the parts come together, they form a joint. So it's not the parts that supplies, it's when the parts come together and the joint supplies. The joint supplies nourishment. The joint supplies strength. The joint supplies ministry. I encourage you, get in the game. If you don't have a home church, we invite you to get in the game with us here at Summit and Church of God, where God is using us to transform our community for His glory. And if you do have a home church, my question to you is, are you doing your share? I know your pastor needs you to get in the game to help him accomplish what God has put in his heart to see take place in your community. Maybe for you today, to get in the game means surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, asking you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Thank you for dying for me. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we do every week, we would like to invite you to join us here at Summit and Church of God. Every Sunday morning at 1045, we worship together, and we would be honored to have you as our guest. God is doing a new thing here, and we invite you to be a part of it.